Welcome, movie fans. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 73 of Reading Between the Reels. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us. Send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review on your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. I'm Craig Dickinson, and today on the show, I'll be sharing the third in our series of Star Wars conversations that my English classes participated in with special guests. Today for you, we have Thomas Riddle of Imaginary Education, Star Wars in the Classroom, Adventures in Learning with Indiana Jones, and Aaron Harris of Star Wars Reactions. We hope you enjoy the show. I need you to compare the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin from the Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Compare the two relationships they have. Well, um, I would say that in Attack of the Clones, you still see this this master-mentor, kind of like teacher-student relationship. Um, Anakin, honestly, in Attack of the Clones reminds me of a teenager. He reminds me of a teenager who, one, has a huge crush. Two, he he's trying to start to come into his own and thinks, you know, I can do more than my my dad or in this case, my teacher or my my master. Um, And so he's really kind of this conflicted, you know, I want to kind of do my own thing. By time where we see them in Revenge of the Sith, then they are more peers. Um, They're they're more equals. And I think Obi-Wan even recognizes that as well. And. you know, at that point in time, I think that uh, is where Anakin now absolutely has grown into himself, seen himself as somebody that's either equal to or far superior to Obi-Wan. Alrighty. I see them more as brothers in that one than in, the, in, in Attack of the Clones. They're more like um, teacher-student. Alrighty. Thank you. Thanks. Why was the film set a long time ago? Well, you know, honestly, when Lucas was writing this, he was heavily influenced in, um, uh, with mythology and really with fairy tales. Um, and so that was one that uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is the same introduction to a fairy tale as uh, Once Upon a Time in a Land Far Away. All right, what you got? Um, why does Princess Leia's accent change? <laughs> because she's an actress, <laughs> you know, there's, there's kind of a loss in continuity there. Um, you know, she actually talks about that in an interview once uh, for um, in a new hope that they really kind of wanted her to have this sort of um, um, this almost British accent, uh, which indicated this, this um, higher class or whatever. But um, she was getting sort of different direction and uh, it finally just slipped out, slipped away. You know, you did, did you catch that or did you catch that yourself? What, what did you think about that? Did, did it throw you off any at all or it didn't? Did it change her character for you at all? Mm-mm. Yeah, well, that's and, and I think that's 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 OK. I'll blow your mind a little bit, too, if you guys know Jurassic Park. Um, if you've seen Jurassic Park, um, Sam, uh, oh shoot, Craig, help me. Um, yeah, Sam Neill, uh, Dr. Grant has two different accents in that as well. Go back and watch that movie. And he talks about that actually Spielberg had him change his accent mid, like right in the middle of production. And so he has this kind of really weird 
because he's Australian, but it has this really weird accent. So uh, anyway, so yeah, it was just it was just a, a director director's choice, but by George. So okay, thank you. Yep, you're welcome. Um, for a new hope, why do you think the plot follows the droids at the beginning? Um, well, that's a great question. George Lucas was a huge fan of a Japanese film filmmaker named Akira Kurosawa, and Kurosawa had this practice of um, telling the story through the eyes of common people. So we have heroes, right? So like you're always going to have, say, like Captain America and Iron Man, right? Or you're going to have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. But to, to Kurosawa, what was interesting is how does the common people see these big events going on around them? And so in, in a movie called The Hidden Fortress, which was one that was uh, a Kurosawa film that, um, that Lucas loved, he very much based R2 and 3PO on two peasant farmers who became soldiers, who were forced to become soldiers. And so you see this great big grand story of heroes and villains, but you see, the, see it kind of through the eyes of these two common people. So that was really where the droids came from. And I, I, as a as a storyteller, I think that's a really cool uh, way of telling a story, especially when you see that the droids go all the way through. So there's continuity through all the films. It's a great question. That's cool. Hi. Hi. Okay. How is Anakin's like loss of his mother impacting on his current decision making? Oh wow. Um, so. Anyone who's lost a loved one understands how hard that is, but you have to um, have to think, especially in Anakin's case, he had no one else that really um, he was allowed to love or could love. Remember, Anakin came to the Jedi Order as a um, older. He wasn't taken as a baby um, or, or given as a, as a baby. And. Therefore, he had a long time to develop a deep relationship with his mom uh, until he was like nine years old. And so the, those mother-son bonds are hard to break. And so um, when he saw that, you know, when he experienced his mother's death, he saw that, you know, he have, I have all this power, but I couldn't do anything to save her. And so in a way, Anakin begins to blame himself. And says that that will never happen again. That's very important, actually, because who's the next who's the next person closest to him that he thinks he may lose? He's lost his mother. Then who's after that that he loves that he might lose? Padme. And so he's he's experienced that kind of loss before and he's convinced he will never let it happen again. And so that's where he really kind of starts down that path to the dark side. But good question. Thank you. You're welcome. Why does Ben say, if you, if you strike me down, I will come back? <laughs> if you strike me down. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. One of my favorite lines in all of Star Wars, because he knows something that Vader doesn't. He knows, um, he knows the, the secret to connect to the Force in a way that he doesn't become one with the Force and just like, he can come back as a force ghost. That's knowledge that Vader doesn't have. That's knowledge that um, that was only just recently discovered. Now we didn't know that in the New Hope when I was a kid. You know, we just 
oh, Obi-Wan had some, you know, secret power or something, some insight that nobody else knew. But we know that now it was Qui-Gon that discovered the ability to still uh, come back and appear even after you're dead through the force. And so we see uh, at the end of the TV show, Obi-Wan, him teaching that. We actually saw in Clone Wars where Obi-Wan teaches Yoda, not Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon teaches Yoda how to do that. So um, this is kind of a secret weapon because Obi-Wan knows that right now in the present, in this physical form, in this fleshly form, that I, I can only be one place at one time. So I can only teach Luke like wherever I am, wherever I am with him. But through the force, I'll be able to appear anywhere, anywhere he is. I can always be with him. And so that is a really powerful teaching tool or, or, or tool for continuing to teach uh, Luke. And so Vader has no idea what he's talking about. And so when he when he sacrifices himself, he knows exactly what's about to happen. He's going to actually transition into a form that's now going to be able more powerful um, to be more powerful than Vader could ever imagine because Vader has no concept of that. He thinks he knows it all. That's that's um, the downfall of people who are arrogant. Thank you. You're welcome. Why does Anakin turn to the dark side? Oh, wow. Um, well, part of that, I think, is I, I touched a little bit on with his mother. Um, it was a slow fade going towards the dark side. Um, Anakin felt that um, when, he when he loses his mother, again, um, he loses something that he cares very, very much about. And he knows he's powerful. He knows he has all this potential. Um, and that hurts him terribly. So when, when um, he begins to have these dreams that we later find out that, that Palpatine is uh, the emperor, is making him have these dreams of, of Padme's death. Um, he actually was kind of foreseeing what was going to possibly happen uh, at his own hand with her, uh, her dying in, in childbirth. But um, the emperor is manipulating him knowing that Anakin had these attachments to things he loved. He's the one that the emperor set, um, kind of put those two together anyway, uh, when he made, uh, an, um, attack of the clones, when he had Padme be protected by Anakin, um, you know, when, when it was just the two of them. So he really does not want to lose again anybody that he loves and so in his mind he'll do anything at all to save her which means that he even sold his soul uh to the emperor so it was it was a misguided attempt to protect the one he loved thank you yeah thank you why does yoda initially hide his identity from luke because it's funny I mean, it's it plays it, it it's it's hilarious. Um, I it was really a test for Yoda to see Luke's level of patience because he knows that Luke is Luke's had no no training. Um, he's way way older than any other Jedi would typically be um, to be trained, much more so than his father, and. 
one of the things that he knows that Luke's one of the qualities he knows that Luke's going to have to have is patience. And so um, he is doing everything he can to test Luke's patience when he's acting like this um, uh, kind of like reminds me of Dobby from Harry Potter <laughs> when he's acting like this, you know, uh, crazy little wizard man um, and an annoying man who seems very small and insignificant. And Luke says, I'm looking for a great warrior, you know, and so he doesn't see anything in Yoda that would make, make him great. So he's teaching him a lot of lessons. One, he's teaching him patience. Two, he's teaching him not to uh, not to believe his preconcept notions, preconceived notions about the way things are. So um, I think that's uh, I think it was a great storytelling tool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What do you think about the relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? I think it was, I think it was a really strong um, teacher mentor uh, type of relationship. I think that, that Qui-Gon really cared about his, uh, his Padawan really cared about his student. And I think he, I think what he what he was doing with with um, with Obi Wan is that there's a line where uh, something that he says in, in Phantom Menace where he he sees that Obi Wan will be a much greater Jedi than he is, you know, and that's what you want as a teacher or a parent. We want you as students to go far beyond anything that we did. Okay, we want you to be to be smarter, to be more successful, to be happier. That, that's what we want. We want you to move beyond where we are. Um, same thing with, with parents. Um, and so Qui-Gon looks at Obi-Wan and has really uh, developed him and sees this great potential in, in Obi-Wan that he doesn't yet even see in himself. And so I think Qui-Gon was a, was a terrific teacher. The other thing I think about that is that um, Qui-Gon saw things that others on the Jedi Council did not. And so it's, uh, it's Qui-Gon, I think, is in many ways, is one of the real heroes of the entire saga. Because had it not been for his connection to what he called the living force, um, no Jedi would have learned how to, to die and still come back, which was instrumental in Luke uh, destroying the Death Star. Uh, and Luke getting his training, going to Dagobah. I mean, it was Obi Wan coming to Luke with because you know with that knowledge that Qui Gon has passed on. So I think they were a really strong um, um, teacher student pairing, and I think Qui Gon was an incredible teacher. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. At this point in Sega, Han and Luke have seemingly switched roles. What is the reason for this? At what point in the saga, though, that they they switch roles? I mean, because there's a, is it like in the in the uh, sequels or in the original trilogy or? I think it was mean, in the sequels, where where Luke's kind of hiding on the island. Wait, what do you mean? So Wait, it's it's under like Return of the Jedi. Oh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay, so that that Han and Luke have switched roles. Um, well, okay, so 
that's great. That okay. Now I now I got you. Now I got you. Um, what we see when we first meet Luke in um, A New Hope is he's a naive little farm boy. I mean, he's just a teenager trying to figure his way, you know, make his way through life. And Han is the experienced, you know, cocky hero, um, full of his, you know, full of confidence. And um, it's actually Han that has to save Luke from being uh, being destroyed by Vader in the Death Star battle, you know. And uh, when at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, we see now Han is the one who is somewhat helpless. He's in a helpless state. Uh, he's been frozen in carbonite with no means of escape. But it's Luke who masterminds the whole um, plan to free to free uh, free solo. And so the um, you have those roles switched there. What that shows is that Luke has matured. It shows that Luke is now a hero in his own right. Just like Han was older and more mature than Luke was, Luke has now become a hero in his own right. Now he is now he has saved Han's life, and um, and so there, uh, you know, it's it's that kind of role reversal you see there. But it really in Return of the Jedi we see that Luke has um, grown a lot. He got beat up a good bit in the Dark Road of Trials in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but now he's returned as the hero uh, that, you know, that the title suggests, Return of the Jedi. And he's just as powerful, if not more so, than Han. Right, good question. You. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, in the Empire Strikes Back, why do you think Darth Vader is obsessed with finding Luke? Mm. Well, you know... Um, he, when I was a kid, we didn't have all this, this, um, this backstory now that we have through the comics and such that, um, Vader realized or learned that Luke was his son. Um, and now through, through the comics we've learned and, and some other stories, we've learned that. Vader learns earlier than we thought that Luke was his son. Um, when I was growing up and we were watching these all, you know, as all of us the first time originally, it, it seemed like he was after him for revenge. He was hunting him down because, hey, you blew up the Death Star. You know, um, you're this big bad hero now and I'm coming after you because you, you hurt the Empire. Um, but then, of course, we see even in that film that we learned from the emperor that um, that he's his son. And so Luke, uh, excuse me, now though, sitting where we are in 2023 in the story um, with a Sith, there's always two, right? There's a master and apprentice and that the, the apprentice is always looking to overthrow the master. And so to be able to do that, Vader is going to need his own what? Apprentice. Right. Yeah. And so who better to be an apprentice to him than his son? Um, so on the one hand, you see him as a Sith wanting to take his own apprentice and overthrow the overthrow the emperor. That's what he tells him. You know, join me and together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. But I think there was something deeper down that was still that still remained of Anakin is that there was still a heart connection to a son he never knew. There was a heart, there was a, there was a Anakin, there's a part of Anakin in there still that wanted to find his son. 
because he wanted to love his son. And I think you see that in Return of the Jedi come out great in several scenes, especially when, it, when Luke turns himself in um, and he, he, you know, Luke's telling you, telling him, Hey, I sense the, the struggle in you father. And he says, it's too late for me, son. So, I mean, he doesn't call him Luke, you know, or Skywalker. He, he calls him son. And it's just like, he has a recognition of I'm your father and yeah, but it's too late for me. And so, yeah, I, I love that. I think, I think on the surface, he's wanting to overthrow the emperor Vader, the Vader side of him, but the Anakin side of him wants to find his son and reconcile. So my thoughts. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thomas, um, so you got uh, time for one more. Yeah, let's do one more. Uh, what was the most memorable, memorable quote from a new hope and why? Oh, man. I think I may have. I think one of my favorites is what I said earlier. Um, if you strike me down now, I'll become more possible, more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Um, it's it's Obi-Wan. It shows Obi-Wan's confidence, his his peace at sacrificing himself for the greater cause. Um, the culmination of everything that he's spent his life for comes to that moment. Um, as a Jedi, where he's like, okay, I'm at complete peace with, with, with my death as a sacrificial death to serve the greater good. And this confidence and assurance that, you know what, I know exactly what's going to happen after I die. And I'm completely okay with that. And so to me, that's just, that's inspiring. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think that's one of my, there's some, there's some great lines, you know, um, but, but I think that's probably one of my favorites. 3PO and R2, I mean, 3, 3PO has some really cool ones, you know. Don't call me a philosopher, you, you know. I, there's, there's a, I mean, a mindless philosopher, you overweight glob of grease. Um, now get in there before somebody, somebody or get out of there before somebody discovers you. I mean, there's all kinds of little banter like that. But the one I told you, I think is, I think that's my favorite. All right, thank you. If you could have... If a character have their own spinoff series, uh, who would it be? I would like to see a spinoff with uh, Alexander Callis from Rebels. He was because he was a rub. He was an imperial officer. Then he became a became a rebel, uh, a spy for the rebellion, and then joined the rebellion. So I would like to see his story fleshed out a lot more in it, and it's in a spinoff. Okay. Bye. Hi. Hi. Uh, I didn't Luke go uh, to the dark side. They didn't have enough cookies. Um, <laughs> they um, you know, it, it was probably very tempting for him. You know, he had all the opportunity in the world. Uh, I mean, to to give in to the dark side, to let go of of all his restraints and his anger and let his anger and emotions take over. But it took more strength to resist and re and contain himself. So I, I think in the long run, he knew what happened to his father. He finally saw got to meet Vader face to face and have those conversations with Vader that he, the few that he didn't have, he knew he couldn't get into the way his dad did. 
um, he had to to save his father, and the only way he could do that was by holding on and not giving in to the dark side. So that's why I think he uh, he never gave up to do it. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. Hello. All right, I have a what if question. So, okay, in the Phantom Menace during the battle with Qui Gon, Kenobi, okay. Darth Maul. What if Kenobi had died instead of Qui-Gon? Ooh. We would have a very interesting story at that point. I think that things would have played out completely differently. I don't see Anakin falling to the dark side at that point. Um, I see... I I see... I see um, Qui-Gon... actually fight with Anakin at his side and the Emperor never actually taking over. Um, I, I, I see it playing out completely different because um, Anakin looked at he looked at Obi-Wan as a brother, but Qui-Gon he looked at as a father. Yeah. The father he yeah. never had. So I think having that father figure in place during his formative years would have change the story at that point it would have um thank you so Um, much thank you great question why do you think dark vader was obsessed with finding luke because it was a son he thought he didn't have well last time he all he knew is padme died he didn't and he assumed that his son died in childbirth so when he realized that the upstart rebel pilot who blew up the Death Star was a Skywalker, he knew it was his son. So he became obsessed with finding his son. And because that was, I mean, Padme was his life. I mean, he did everything for her. And when he found out she was pregnant, he did everything for her and his unborn child. So he did everything a father could do to get back to his son. Okay, thank you. Who's your favorite character and why? Who's my favorite character and why? Well, if we're just talking about the movies, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Obi-Wan, I felt, was a very... uh, In the original trilogy, he was a very underrated character, uh, but we end up seeing he plays a huge role in the movie um what really got me into the character even more was actually seeing some of the animated stuff from the clone wars uh, where they really flesh out his relationship with uh, and we got to see that brotherhood that he talked about in revenge of the sith and that uh, really uh changed the storyline for him uh, in my eyes. So definitely Obi-Wan. If we're just talking about everything, including all the animated series, it's Chopper the droid uh, from Rebels. So he's just he's just got an attitude that I uh, relate to. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Hello. Hello. What was your favorite Star Wars film? Favorite film is uh, the original 1977 Star Wars, A New Hope, uh, mainly because that's the first one I ever saw. Uh, it has a lot of sentimental uh, value to me just because it's 
the first one I saw. It's what got me hooked in. And I didn't, I didn't see it in 77 because I wasn't even born yet at that point. I remember I saw TV for the first time in the mid-80s. So uh, it, it really stuck with me. Thanks. All right, so why do you think Palpatine so badly lost the privilege to die or to live? That's a good one. You know, Padme for for Palpatine was a a a tool and a distraction. Uh, he knew as long as he knew in order to get Anakin to f- turn to the dark side, he had to have Padme to create that attachment and uh, make Anakin emotionally off balance. Whereas he also knew if she lived, she would keep Anakin, his Anakin's focus and loyalty would be to her and not to him. So in the long run, he, it was a catch 22 for, for uh, Palpatine. He, he needed her to a certain extent that he needed her gone in order to complete his plans. Um, so of course there's always, a, there's a lot of speculation out there about how uh, Palpatine used her life force to save Anakin after Mustafar, but that's, you know, all fan theory and stuff, but it definitely makes a lot of sense knowing all of that. What were your thoughts about the clone troopers fighting the for the die in Attack of the Clone? It was fun to watch. You know, I remember when the uh, Attack of the Clones came out um, it, and seeing them on the screen for the first time, uh, jump uh, arriving at in the arena at the on Geonosis and and saving the Jedi that were left. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was very exciting uh, to see. But it was also very ominous, too, because, you know, at some point those guys are going to eventually become the stormtroopers that we see in in the original trilogy. And there's going to be a transition at some point. Uh, So and of course, we were all proven right in episode three when we saw them uh, execute Order 66. So it was fun. I I, I really enjoyed seeing uh, the debut of the clone troopers. Uh, and then, of course, through Clone War series, seeing their uh, growth and progression as their uh, armor changed and and the different uh, personalities that emerged. Thank you. You're welcome. How did Luke become How a Jedi? How did Luke become a Jedi? Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Good question. You know, Luke uh, did not travel the traditional path that most Jedis would have gone through with the training. Uh, and then, of course, the trials. Uh, he did have a little bit of training from from Kenobi in the first movie and then, of course, from Yoda in uh, Empire. Uh, so he had a little bit of training. He never had that extensive training that most Jedi would have gone through, that even his father, Anakin, would have gone through. So his journey was a little bit different, as in he basically grew up living the trials that he would have gone through as a Padawan. So I, I think in having to face down Vader um, and make that stand that he does in Return of the Jedi, where he had the opportunity to take, kill Vader, but he came back and he's like, no, I'm not going to do this because I'm not that person. Uh, he made that stand, and I think that's the moment 
I mean, he calls himself a Jedi all through the, through the movie, but that's the defining moment that made him a Jedi Knight, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, your thoughts on, on being, not believing in the Force? <laughs> you know, Han Solo, you know, he you know was a fun character. He he was, uh, and Harrison Ford uh, portrayed him fantastically. You know, when you are have the life that Han lived, traveling around the galaxy, smuggling. Uh, he fought for the Empire a little bit as a member of the infantry. Um, you know, you you're going to your faith in things are, is going to wane and you're not going to have it because you will not have seen it. And in the time he grew up, the Jedi were gone. The force was basically not talked about. I mean, after Palpatine took over, he downplayed it. Uh, didn't want it discussed. The Jedi were relegated to myths and legends. So he had no, no ex- firsthand experience with it. So he, you know, why believe it? It just seemed like some, you know, there's a lot, how many stories out there today that uh, people consider myth or legend? I mean, it's the same boat with, with Hunt. So I think it played out quite nicely for him, though, for going, journeying from a uh, skeptic to ultimately uh, a believer, as we see in uh, episode seven. You know, it's all true force the jedi it's all true okay thank you you're welcome why didn't um, vader why didn't why didn't vader kill luke he didn't want to kill his son you know he'd been looking all over the place for his son that he thought was dead already um and deep down inside he would deep down inside and even luke knew this he would never he knew he, he, Vader would never harm him. Um, one, because is his father, but two, you know, the attachment that Anakin slash Vader had with Padme, Padme never, he never would have stood for him doing what he did. And now he has Luke. Luke is his one connection to Padme. So he's not going to get rid of the connection to the woman he loves. And that's why he could never bring himself to kill Luke. Thank you. You're welcome. Why might um, it be a bad idea? Why might it be a bad Anakin? idea? <laughs> the assignments are prepared. Why would it have been a bad idea? Yeah. Like, what well, could obviously, she do wrong? Like, oh, what could she do wrong? Yeah. I don't think it was yeah. what she could do wrong. It was more of. Uh, what they what they saw in Anakin, uh, as in you know, his attachment to her from them growing up. So I don't think it was necessarily what she could do wrong. It was more of Anakin's strength uh, and willpower to stay the course. Alrighty, thanks. You're welcome. Why does Yoda um, initially hide his, his identity from Luke? Probably just a mess with them, honestly. <laughs> it, it was, you know, he, you know, Yoda was is a very strong, uh, very strong character in the Force. So he knew who Luke was as before he arrived, and Ben probably told him he was on his way. So he knew who he was, and of course, with R two being around the whole in all the movies, he 
probably recognized R2. So he knew who he was dealing with. Um, so it was probably just to test them because you to see as a test because um, you, you saw how Luke reacted with uh, Yoda. You know, he's looking for a great Jedi and you never even imagined that this short little green big-eared goof was uh, was the great Jedi master he was looking for. So it basically played on his uh, prejudice and helped him realize that not everything is going to be how you picture it which I thought was a, a pretty good lesson for Luke to learn at that moment. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. What was your favorite movie well, that Obi-Wan was in? Favorite movie that Obi-Wan was in? Um, I like <laughs> Good one. Um, probably my favorite one with Obi-Wan would be Revenge of the Sith. Because um, at that point, we see uh just the the whole the whole range of emotion for for Obi-Wan. Uh, we see we see success we see joy we see stress we see heartbreak we see devastation it, it is a full full bore story for Obi-Wan at that point and his speech there at the end is Anakin's like burning up on the the lava shore um, when you when you know the background and history between the two um, that you don't see in the movies that you see through through the novels through the Clone Wars it makes it even more heartbreaking uh, that speech uh, because they truly were brothers and he truly did love Anakin Uh, what did you think of Anakin's killing of Count Dooku was it justified was it justified could it be this fun? Yeah. I mean, he, he led the separatists and the murder of many, many Jedi and many, many uh, troopers and many, many civilians. So yeah, would it be, could it be considered fun? Yes. Was it right? No. Uh, he played into the uh, Emperor or Palpatine's hands at that point uh, by doing that. Uh, he knew he, he, couldn't he shouldn't do it he even says this isn't right and he allowed palpatine to manipulate the situation so was it justified i i think he it, you could say it was justified but was it right no wasn't right okay thank you you're welcome why is the film called the phantom why menace why is the film called The Phantom Menace? Mainly because I would, well, I would, uh, there's, uh, you could actually look at that in several different ways. You could see it as uh, the, the, uh, the, and mainly the way I look at it is Phantom Menace, of course, is Palpatine hiding in the background, pulling the strings to get in position to become the chancellor and create uh, the chaos he needs to become the emperor. Um, you could also look at it as a fact that uh, we're seeing Anakin for the first time. He is that phantom menace that's coming as he is going to become Darth Vader. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple different ways you can, you could look at that. Um, but I, I tend to, I tend to lean more on the, uh, the Palpatine being the phantom menace. And that's why it was called that. Cause we basically set him up to 
create the chaos he wants to lead, uh, to lead the galaxy. Thank you. You're welcome. What was your favorite what fight in the Star Wars movies? Favorite fight in the Star Wars movies? Oh, very easily, hands down, it was the fight in The Last Jedi between uh, Rey and Kylo Ren versus the entire Praetorian Guard. That was just so visually stunning and so well executed. Um, it, it became my favorite the first time I saw it. Um, and I haven't seen one match it to date uh, from the movies. Okay, bye. Bye. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend and support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast catcher. 